The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Can't score, can't stop goals. It's bad, really bad at both ends of the ice for the Edmonton Oilers. Another loss today, 4-1 Chicago winning. Two goals a minute 26 apart in the first period. Oilers trailing again. 2-1 late in the second period. And you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe they can hang around into the third. Blackhawks score with 9.2 seconds left in the second period. That pretty much did it. The Oilers are 18-22-3 on the season. They are 1-5-1 in their last seven games. They've been outscored 28-9 over the course of those seven games. They've been outscored 23 in their last five games. Somehow they won one of those. Well, somehow, we know how. They played better defense and they got into a shootout and won. It's bad, folks. It's really bad. It's, uh, in my mind, unpredictably bad. I think even if you weren't thinking really big at the beginning of the season, the playoffs are not going to happen barring a miracle. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us. All right, Rob. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, uh, I mean, where, where do you want to start? Two goals a minute 26 apart, one of which was just a weird one that goes in. Uh, the backbreaker at 19.50 of the second period, the inability to cash in chances. You can pick which of the unholy trinity <laughs> you want to go with. Well, in, in, in all of those, again, the Oilers fall behind. And it has been a trend this season, and it's a trend that the Oilers do not find success in. They they fall behind, they deflate a bit, uh, they start chasing, and the Oilers are not, this year anyways, a team that when they chase can find a win at the end of the night. They just don't. They Their game isn't as good when they fall behind a goal. Then you get, you, you're in a good game, and even though they were down 2-1 in the second period, it was a pretty good game, and I thought the second period was pretty even. The Oilers had some pretty good chances they hadn't capitalized on. And then a late goal less than 10 seconds to go in a period. And, and I can tell you, because I've been on both sides of that, I'd gone into the dressing room after scoring a goal late in a period, and you're feeling good about yourself. You're feeling jacked in the entire 18-minute uh, intermission. Everybody is pumped in the dressing room. And I've been on the other side where you've given up a late goal, and you sag, and then for 18 minutes you start thinking, what's wrong with us? Why is it happening to us? What did we do wrong today? How am I playing? And you start doubting yourself. So when you come out for the third, the Blackhawks are coming out feeling really good about themselves. And the Blackhawks are a team that lack a little confidence. They have not been good this year either, but they're feeling good about themselves. And the others come out for the third, and they got this huge hole, and they're looking up at the scoreboard going, all right, there's another blown opportunity. So that goal at the end of the second period was what really did the Oilers in tonight. They switched up the lines or adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. We discussed it after yesterday's game. I think a lot of people wanted it to happen. It did happen today. McDavid and Dreisaitl back together on the same line. Maroon came back from suspension and joined them. I thought they definitely had some dangerous shifts and were the Oilers' best offensive line, but again, couldn't cash in. Well, they couldn't cash in, and in the first period, they got a number of really good opportunities. They score any of those, 
who knows the way the game goes. Then they're down, was it in the third period when it was 3-1? And, and, oh, and, that was like a minute into the third. Yeah, Leon, and, and you said, as we, we came out of the break, you said, you know what, if the Oilers score in the first five minutes, they're going to win this hockey game. And they got their opportunity. A nice play by McDavid, finding Dreisaitl, who makes a beautiful little deke uh, on side. He walks in and off the post and out. He scores there. It's 3-2, and all of a sudden the Chicago Blackhawks are thinking, oh, no, we just blew a game last game against the Vegas uh, Golden Knights in the third period. We blew an opportunity in Edmonton where we gave up two late goals against the Edmonton Oilers, and you could have put them on their heels. Instead, just like we've seen over the last little while, the Oilers are not getting any bounces around the net. They're not getting uh, rewarded for some of their good play. And, well, four or five minutes later, whatever it is, Chicago scores and it's 4-1, the game's over. So I thought the, the dry sidle McDavid line was good. It was dangerous. It was by far the best line for the Oilers tonight. But I, there's nothing. There's no reward at the end of good shifts. And frustration does creep into your play. All right, so it is 4-1 Chicago. The Oilers are 18-22-3 on the season. Remember a couple weeks ago, right before Christmas, they beat Montreal. They clawed their way back to 500, which in this league still isn't good enough to be in a playoff spot, but at least they saw the win and loss column even for the first time since the second uh, game of the season. And now since then, just one win. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. We have Ryan on the open line to get us started. Ryan, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, guys. Great show, by the way. I've been listening the past couple of games. Well, thank you very much. So, Rob, I have a question for you. Yep. In the days of old, do you remember when you were playing, how they used to play? Yep. Take the body, forget the puck, then the superstars go down to the other side, score. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Your first, the way it was when I played, and the way it's, I mean, it should be nowadays, is when you're defending, the first thing you do is take away the body. You don't worry about the puck. That's when your support man, your second man, comes in and picks up the puck and leaves. But your job, and your sole job as the defender, is to take the body. Because if you've taken him out of the play, you've succeeded in what you're trying to do. And then your next player comes in. And that's where the other, I mean, all teams, they need support. Close support anytime you're defending so that the one guy knows once he does his job, someone else is coming in to help him. Absolutely. And the refing is dismal. Since um, the Anaheim playoff series last uh, spring, the refing is just absolutely atrocious. Look at that call against uh, uh, Lucic. The guy hauled him down as well, and he was holding his stick. What, is, what else is he supposed to do? And then there was a missed call in the back of the net. Larson gets dumped, slew-footed, no call. The, the clutching and the grabbing of McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, come on, really? Yeah, well, I... I... To be fair, though, Ryan, I don't think that's why the Oilers are where they are. We can, oh, no, 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 we can, no, we can no, talk. No, I'm not, I'm not just solely blaming the, uh, the, the refs. The, like when Rob played, I used to play as well. The biggest thing for us, that, and our coaches taught us this: if you miss an assignment by taking, by going after the puck, well, you're going to sit for a little bit and watch the play. Did you play that's against? Did, did, you, did you play against Rob? No, 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 no. Uh, um, I wasn't that good. <laughs> okay. All right. Ryan, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Great show, guys. Keep Thank you. We do appreciate that. 780-496-0063. Special teams today, Oilers were 0 for 1 on a power, their only power play. Chicago 0 for 3. Here's a, here's a funny little stat. Well, it's not funny. It's funny. It's funny in comparison. That's what I meant to say. 
The Oilers' road penalty killing might be the most positive thing about the team this year. 86.1%. What's that in the league? That'd be top five? It was fourth coming into today, so I don't know if it passed anybody. So, because it was 85.5. It went to 86.1. That's actually, I look back on every season the Oilers have ever played in the NHL. If they keep it up there, it'd be the fourth best road penalty kill they've ever had. And, of course, their home penalty kill is 55.4, which isn't just the worst in franchise history. It's the worst in NHL history by now over 10%. Yeah, it doesn't. And the thing that is so hard to figure out on that is it's the same players, the same yeah, it's system. Like, it's not like they dress all of a sudden. Put different players out there at home. So, yeah, so I, I, don't, I can't explain it. And I think that's what's befuddling the the coaches when it comes to the PK is why what are we doing differently? Why are we doing something differently? And or is it just you know just terrible terrible luck? Which I don't believe that's it because the goals they're scoring in Edmonton are, are a lot on mistakes made by the Oilers defensively. So I don't know why it is, but the Oilers, if you have 86 percent PK on the road, you should be in a lot of games. Unfortunately, as of late. The Oilers' five-on-five play has not been near good enough. Yeah. Too many big errors that create scoring chances and goals for the opposition. Just one goal today for the Oilers. Lack of offense, a big story. does mean a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season. The total, $2,925, which you can also track on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. 4-1, Chicago takes it today. 2-0 after 1, 3-1 after 2, and then the 4-1 final. We have Fred on the line. Hello, Fred. How's it going, boys? Well, good. I'm more concerned about how you're doing. <laughs> Bewildered, dumbfounded. The Frosties aren't tasting so good anymore. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Let's be realistic. We're not making the playoffs. Well, no, they aren't. So where do you go? you still got 40 games to go. Does this all fall in Torelli? Oh, I think a it lot of it to. does, for sure. Yeah, I think I think the GM has to be considered very responsible for that. And you know what? Uh, I don't know. The fans in the city, it's its such a disheartening thing. You make the playoffs last year, you have a good run, and then you get fed this. You know what? I don't know. How do you move? Rob, i got a question for you. Yep. Do you think there's somebody in a dress room like Moose used to do, bash the garbage cans, maybe throw a garbage can around? Is there anybody on this team that actually does something like that? I mean, since I'm not in there to see it, I can't be for certain, but I would think a player along the lines of a Milan Lucic has that in him. I, 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 you see that when he sometimes loses his anger on the ice, it is quite... Uh, noticeable. I find him to be an emotional player. You can tell when things are going well for him and when things aren't by his body language. So I would think, because I, I, Connor McDavid's not, I don't think, that type of uh, leader. I think he leads by example. I don't think he's a guy that's going to call everybody out, but I think a Milan Lucic is. The problem was when your team is doing what it's doing, it's hard for one person to stand up in front of the dress room because I'm not sure there's anyone that can stand up and say, I am doing a great job. You guys must follow me. Because it's, you know, if one guy stands up and he starts yelling and you're like, well, you're awful too, is what's going through people's heads. It's like, uh, what are you yelling at me for? So, uh, but to answer your question, I think the just thinking through the lineup right now, uh, Lucic, to me, would be the guy that would have the most cachet and would have the, the presence that if he stood up, 
I, I, I personally, I find him quite intimidating. So I imagine when he's ired and he's mad that uh, it would be a sight to behold. All right, it's 404-41 loss for the Oilers in Chicago. More of your phone calls in a couple of minutes. Back to United Center. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Look at that, that late goal in the second as maybe of a turning point after a, a strong middle period. Uh, well, it certainly didn't help. Um, you know, I thought it was a a goal or a situation with that amount of time left. You got to play hard. You got to get your nose over a puck, um, get it deep and in behind them, and then on the back check, you got to come and you got to you got to be hard and strong there. And uh, we got beat in a number of areas. So that uh, combined with the confidence level we have right now was very poor timing, and it didn't set us up for uh, a lot of success in the third. I know you can't do much about bad luck, but again, some, some sort of weird goals to, to get you going. Um, how difficult is it just to kind of spin yourself out of that, especially when it's early in a game? Well, only we can do it. Um, you know, the bounce off uh, off of uh, Tess foot into the net, but that evens out with a couple of glorious opportunities they had, and they didn't score on them as well. So usually the bounces, uh, for the most part, end up even. And, um, you know, we had... We didn't have numerous opportunities. We had a few opportunities in the offensive zone where we could have taken advantage and maybe put a little pressure on them to uh, to open up a bit, but they checked well down the stretch. One of this team's strengths last year was its confidence and its, and its swagger and its belief. When that's taken a, a beating, how do you kind of... Well, we got to work... Yeah, you got to work your way out of it. And, um, you know, when you're not uh, at the top of your game, you've got to be more detailed. You've got to be positionally strong. Um, as I mentioned on that third goal, there's a difference between when you're confident, you kind of you don't always have to be over top of a puck. When you're not, you got to keep your nose over it, and you got to get body position, and you got to take an extra stride. And uh, you don't—I'm not saying the guys were cheating on that situation, but you don't take the easy way out of the crap. And you work your way out, and we're gonna have to keep at it. Put that uh, Maroon, <coughs> David, and. Um together obviously trying to spark. Yes, yeah, trying to look for offense. Um, I thought they created a fair number of of chances, but as they they get some it falls off with other lines. We're just trying to look for uh, you know two or, or three lines that could could threaten to score right now and and find ways to prevent and we're struggling doing that. Would be two up front. Um, tough task for him. Um, hard to go up front uh, against a skilled team like that that that's aggressive along the walls. Um, I thought he created opportunities for uh, for he and his line mates and uh, you know a couple times I think he learned how hard it is to play forward uh, as far as the uh, the shift length goes he got caught out a little bit long but um, we'll see if we if we can continue with that experiment or not the, for Kajul and Slepeshev is that sort of a message to them that you know you've got to compete well they got to you know, I look at Hinnestroza and I look at Hartman and those type of players on this team. They're they're smaller, uh, quick darters that protect pucks, and, and that can be Drake. Uh, Anton has to uh, he has to be productive when he goes in the lineup. You either have to be productive offensively or defensively, preferably both. But you can't be missing in both situations. So um, you know, we expect more from both of them. All right. Well, that kind of sums it up. There, the Oilers with too many players who aren't impacting the game in anyway at all they lose again 4-1 to the Chicago Blackhawks this afternoon we also got the playoff football game here on the TV uh, not a great first half for Carolina but their kicker Graham Gano makes a 53 I thought it was 58 it was a 58 yard uh, field goal I think as so. time runs out 21-9 he missed a 25 yarder or see he yeah, just well, was out of his he needs the angle yes. the angle was too sharp on the short <laughs> one 21-9 New Orleans leading Carolina at the half I don't think that one's over 
Good, no. good spot for the Saints, so I don't think it's over. The earlier game today, Jacksonville 10, Buffalo 3. That one was exciting. That's not a first quarter score. That one was really exciting, that one. You and I watched part of it. It was tense at the end. Yeah, well, actually, and then at the very end, the Buffalo quarterback got hurt gets hurt. Some guy who hasn't played since 1962 had to come in for the last <laughs> it two. Wasn't, was it something? Wasn't like Fran that? Turkington <laughs> comes in on fourth and two? What? All right, here's here's your first play. If you don't get a first down, our season's over. Come on, good luck. He Have fun. Got the first down. Then he, he got, did. Then he got intercepted later on. Okay, another tough one for uh, the Oilers here. No Japanese Village goal light. Whenever the Oilers do score five or more in a game, they they haven't even scored five goals in their last three games, but if they ever get there in one game again, we'll turn the light on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. You can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Man, this is a stunning drought. It is well, a stunning drought. They haven't scored five goals in their last five games because they've got three goals in their last... They've been outscored 20-3 to three in their last five games. Yeah. Which is shocking when we saw how well they played in December. And I know that it's not an excuse, but we talked about it was a bad timing for Christmas to come this year on the 25th and slow down there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not an excuse, but it does happen. When a team gets is on a roll, they do not want to stop playing. But you saw how well they were playing. You're thinking, okay, come out of the, the, the Christmas break. You're feeling good about yourselves. You're back in the, in, in the race. You, you put together a good stretch. And then it was at 1-5-1 and one in their last seven, and it's just been... Uh, I mean, it's it's not like they're they're getting heartbreaking losses where the end of the night a bad bounce and they lose in a shootout or they lose late on a goal. They're getting waxed every game against teams that I mean, this is not the Chicago Blackhawks that was winning Stanley Cups. This is a Chicago Blackhawks team that just lost on home yep. ice to Vegas. I agree. I consider this Chicago team an average team. I, I consider this. I I don't know if this team can make the playoffs, Chicago. So I mean, they're going to be. It's going to be tense for them going down the stretch as well. Yeah. So they're losing teams that with with a ton of injuries, like the Winnipeg Jets, missing three star players in their lineup, and they lose badly to them a couple times. So that's what's 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 shocking about this, and disappointing about this stretch is it's not they're not playing world beaters right now. No, they're well out of it. Yeah, it's they're not like well it's it. it's the Tampa Bay Lightning coming in and and, and giving them get the gears. These are teams that they should be competitive with in the games are ending up at the end of the night not competitive. Okay, I'm going to... I hate to do this, Rob, but I think you would agree. I, I care about our listeners and our callers. I'm going to put a 45-second time limit on this next gentleman because I, I don't know if him talking to us makes him feel any better because I know he loves the Oilers and he gets really upset, but sometimes I think when he gets going with us, he gets more upset. So I'm going to cap this guy at 45 seconds because I don't want him to get to ruin his Sunday night. Alex, go ahead. <laughs> okay, man. The sober Alex here. Uh, yeah. No, I don't get more upset. I think what it is is uh, uh, the reality of it is already uh, set in some time ago here. And I believe that Peter Sorelli, that decision's already been made. I believe he is going to get his, uh, <clears throat> being relieved of his GM duties quite soon. Uh, they're going to take the power away from this guy for sure. I don't know what they're going to do about McClellan and his coaching staff. If they're going to uh, probably have to stick him out for the rest of the season, but I see that trio of foursome gone too. I believe that Pat Maroon is going to be traded at the deadline, hopefully for a first rounder. Uh, and I yeah, I hopefully. I, I, I'm not sure about that, but that would be nice. Yeah, and uh, I think they obviously have to rethink this whole thing. Kate's in the group, and uh, 
and Nicholson, the whole team, they really have to rethink this out again. And uh, I don't think they're going to go through another 10 years of missing the playoffs. But, uh, boy, oh, boy, there's six or seven pieces missing on this club. And maybe four or five that have to be taken away and four or five that have to be added. I'm not too sure. But, uh, hey, it's sobering Alex there, man. I mean, I've got a, a pretty good vibe on this club. You know, I mean, uh, I, I do know hockey. You know, I'm a, and I'm a big time fan, and uh, and I believe what I've said is exactly what's going to happen. I'll have you, your thoughts on it. I also believe they're going to pick between seven and ten this year. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, guys. I do appreciate hearing from you. I'd, I'd like giving you a hard time, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see. I, I honestly don't see Peter Shirelli anything happening during the season. I just don't. Probably not. I I, I just don't. I mean, I'm not saying anything's going to happen ever. Well, because you have to replace somebody. Yeah. Right. I, I just that, don't. That's, that's that's the thing. It's always, uh, it's always easy to say to get rid of somebody. But there's got to be someone you, better you, coming yeah, back. Yeah, someone better coming back. And I so believe, and I've, I've said it before, when it comes to GMs, coaches, and it's the same as players. If there is somebody better that can do a better job than what you have, then you make a move. And I don't care what position it is. It, it could be someone, a secretary, it could be a stick by whatever. If someone is better at what they do, then you get someone that's better. I don't believe. Whether it's in Edmonton or or, or, or Pittsburgh or, or anywhere else, that a GM will be moved during the season, I, I don't, because that is a huge, huge undertaking. I think at the end of the season, Bob Nicholson will sit down and look at what he's got in front of him, what what transpired over the course of the year, and he will say, "Okay, where do I start? Let's start with my GM. Then you'll evaluate the GM. Then you'll evaluate the coach. Then you'll evaluate the players, and then you make your plan from there." I don't see, and what we saw with Bob Nicholson too is he's a guy that takes his time when it comes to evaluating to make sure that any decision he makes is the right decision to put them going to, in the right direction. So I, I don't think it's something that will happen anytime soon as, as far as a GM. Now, as a coach, coaches do get fired during the season. I don't think that's the right move here. But no, as, far as, GMs, as far as GMs, I, I don't remember the last time a GM was fired mid-season. Well, I, it's probably happened. It probably has. not remembering. But, but it's not something that, but, I mean, we can remember lots of coaches. Yes. But as far as GMs, it's not if, something. If, if there were to be, and we're speaking hypothetically Yes, here, absolutely. If there were to be a new GM, then, then I still stick with how I believe teams are built. Most of the changes still happen in the yep, summer. I agree. Right, so that's that. That's another thing to remember as well. All right, it's four fifteen. We got to take a quick timeout. If you're on hold, we're going to get to you. We're all. You're also going to hear from Darnell Nurse, who got the Oilers' only goal today. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, six thirty, Chan. Really appreciate you tuning in this afternoon. It is 4-18. The Oilers lose again, this time 4-1 to Chicago. Schmaltz, Debrinkat, Saad, and Osterley scoring for the Blackhawks. Darnell Nurse had the only Edmonton goal. You're going to hear from him in a couple of minutes, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. Jason on the line. Good day, Jason. Hey, how, hey, how you guys doing? I'm doing quite well. Hey, uh, just, just, just a kind of comment question. You know, I wonder if something happened in the, or a few things happened in the dressing room this year. Like, you know, they've got the talent. So, to me, you know, when you look at the effort earlier in the season wasn't there. And, and, I, and I don't know if it was just immaturity, you know, that these guys kind of thought they were coming into the season. I think that was part of it. And they were already in eighth place kind of a thing. But, you know, I, 
you know, there's something in that dressing room, obviously, related to character, because, you know, their work ethic hasn't been there overall, and they get deflated and give up pretty easily. My second comment question is, um, you know, the coaching staff, do you think that, uh, like, I don't believe Chirelli's gone. I, I, I agree with you. He, you know, he'll be here another year or whatever, but do you think McClellan and his staff will be replaced? Like, do you think he's lost the room? Um, are you guys hearing anything? Because they don't seem to be listening. So I'll let you guys go, and I uh, appreciate you taking my call. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'm always hesitant to answer those questions with certainty because I'm not there when it's just the players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though you talk to players and sometimes you talk to them off mic, they're, they're rarely totally candid. I've been covering the team firsthand for four and a half years. Um, they didn't feel like they were getting any solutions from Dallas Akins. I, 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 but I do feel like they believe that what McClellan is telling them will work. Mm-hmm. Now, are they always executing it? Is he always getting them to execute it? Well, apparently not, especially on special teams. And uh, and I'll, what, the one I'm going to disagree a little bit with that caller. I don't think the talent is there. I honestly don't think the team is as good as everyone thinks it is skill-wise. I think that they lack big time when it comes to scoring on the wings. And you can have the best centerman in the world if the guys they're passing to aren't able to complete the, the play, aren't able to put the puck in the net, well, it, it's a waste. So I think that they are a team that should be much better than they are, but it's not a team that is the world beaters that everyone hoped that they would be. I think this team has... Uh, deficiencies and, it, and it's so far I mean again Cam Talbot I, I don't know if you blame him on the goals tonight but again it's another four goals that have gone in mm-hmm. so when you're giving up four goals a game I mean it's it, that's also on the goaltending so this is a team that is underachieving but I, I think that the expectations of what this team is were way too high from a lot of people at the beginning of the year this is not a team that is a Stanley Cup contending team it, you just go down their, their wing on both sides, and then go look at the teams that compete for the Stanley Cup and see what their 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 wings are like, or, or compare the teams that go to the, to the defense to the Oilers' defense. So this team is is certainly underachieving, but it is not a team that I think should be better simply by the lineup they have out there. All right, we have Robert on the line as well. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, thanks for taking the call. I definitely agree with that last comment. I don't. People thought they did a year, but my question is more about the GM situation. The the nature of the talent that we have on the team, in part, is due to the choices made by the coach. And how in the world do we trust him going through the next trade deadline? This is the guy that has made the decisions as far as where we are right now. Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good question for sure. I, I mean, I I just think I, I don't know. I mean, if you don't trust Chiarelli, you're not going to trust him, whether he's the GM tomorrow at the trade deadline or in the summer. It's a, to me, it's very interesting talking about what Chiarelli did because I actually thought he did a lot of good stuff, but then everything he did in the last ten months has not worked. He, True. You know, he he hoped that a lot of the younger guys would would step up and produce, like Kajula, like Slepyshev, like Puliyarvi, like Kara. Uh, there had there should have been a better read on what Strom can do or can't do. 
but if you look at everything last year, you were thinking, well, this guy did a pretty good job because even even with the Reinhardt trade, Talbot's doing well, Secker is doing well. You know, Larson obviously did the job he was brought in to do, even though you gave a a big player, but it is kind of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, and there's a big drop-off in performance from last year. There is, and they they overestimated a lot of players that they had in their current lineup, and they decided they didn't need to go and get this, this, and this, because we've got these guys, and these guys are going to get it done, and they're not. If, now again, completely hypothetical, because I don't believe anything's going to happen anytime soon, but if you have an inkling as an organization that you want to make a change at season's end, then you become a little more hands-on in important decisions. So if, for, for the, the caller just said, you know, how can you trust him at a trade deadline? If you have any thought that you may make a move as a GM, and this is with Edmonton, with Vancouver, any team in the National Hockey League, if you think you might make a move at some point, then you as a, a president or whoever is a higher up will have more input on what is done between now and whenever you decide to make that decision so that nothing will be done that could be detrimental if you don't trust what you have. Oilers lose 4-1 in Chicago. Darnell Nurse had the only goal today. That makes him our fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Back to Chicago. Here's Nurse. Everybody, where, where are you guys at right now with the way things are going? Uh, I don't think anyone here is, is happy with uh, you know, I think the, the recent stretch of results. Um, it just comes down to us on the ice executing uh, what we draw up on the boards. Uh, comes out um, up to us out competing other teams and you know, it's not, that's not something we're doing right now and we gotta fix that. Is, the, is, is this a mental thing? Is the confidence a little a little rattled? I guess it can't be as high as, it, as you want it to be after one win in seven games, but where is that part of the game? Yeah, no, you're, you're uh, I think anyone that would be in this position, their confidence would be a little dinged up, but I think that you know, for us it has to fuel our fire um, and uh, bring out that compete in our game and that's and that's kind of the point where we need to get to get back to just out-competing teams. It hasn't been uh, hasn't been that way over, especially these last few, and uh, you know, with the exception of probably the Anaheim game. But uh, we gotta get back to that. Then you cut their lead in half in the second period, and they get that late one, ten seconds left. How much does that kind of kill you guys going into the third like that? Yeah, it's not uh, it's not a good way to go into the locker room uh, in the last last ten seconds. But um, that says a two-goal game. Uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of hockey to be played, and um, you know we couldn't uh, we couldn't seem to get the get the next one. That's uh, that's what, how it goes sometimes. Well, you know, fair comment by Nurse. It's it's two one. You get the next one, maybe, maybe, and instead you give up a goal with ten seconds left in the second period. Yeah. Down we, down two, going to the third. Yeah, you know, we talked about it. It's incredibly deflating. Incredibly, because now all of a sudden that one break that you need now turns into two breaks. And when you're a team that hasn't been getting any or don't, you don't feel you've been getting any, it just seems insurmountable. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Melissa online for Melissa, thanks a lot for calling. Hi there. Um, basically, I just wanted to say that I feel like we were kind of hamstrung right off the beginning, um, whether it was Talbot not playing to what we wanted him to and not to rumor monger but losing dry cycle and whatever happened uh, for that amount of time i i do feel like there's a lot of intangibles that are going on and i do feel like there's maybe i don't want to say like a 
like a constant toxicity in the dressing room. But I, I mean, what else can you blame it on? It's it's almost like it's a it's a perfect storm. There's a lot of things that that you can work on, obviously. But I feel like the undercurrent of the team it's it's like it's not it's not there. Something's not there. Thanks, Melissa. Well. Yeah, a lot of things aren't there. They're definitely not as confident as they were last year. They definitely get rattled easier. No and, swagger. And the, the, the roster is not as good. Just nope. didn't think it was going to be the drop-off to the extent that it has been. All right, we have Dean on line six who's going to finish the play. But first, Dean, what's on your mind? Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I didn't get to see too much of the game. My uh, my wife was having me folding socks. <laughs> Well, it sounds <laughs> sounds entertaining. Oh, she's a, she's a riot. So I, anyway, I saw Darnell's uh, goal. It was it was a nice finish, you know, a good polish and everything like that. And so it got me thinking. I saw a few uh, Vegas uh, games. I've probably seen four or five Vegas games today at, or this year, and it seemed to me like uh, Gerard Gallant has them playing pond hockey. Okay, they hit, he has nothing to lose. Okay, not there's no expectations, and they're winning, right? So and I saw them the pinching, pinching defensemen in and stuff like that. They gave up a few two on ones and stuff like that. But the goal you kept them in. So what I'm thinking is, uh, how do you think the Oilers fans would would say, okay, this, this season is a wash? What do you think the Oilers fan would say if, if they had four four men up, like pinching defensemen in and stuff like that, and just just having fun, right? No systems, like like drug glant. To me, it doesn't look like he even has a system. It's just no, he, play he, he has right. Yeah. He, has, he a has a system, Dean. Trust, trust me. Okay, he has a system, but it looks like they they want okay, pinch in your defenseman, do this, and the the, the other teams have no answer for that. The team I saw him play Chicago, and they had no answer for Vegas's uh, offense. He was pinching in, and now they get these systems in, and now it, they're, they're paralyzed by fear. That's what it looks like to me. They, it, they, it almost looks like they're paralyzed by fear, the Oilers. Well, they're paralyzed right now by by doubt is what they're paralyzed by. As far as Gerard Gallant in the pinching, the Oilers can pinch every time they want to. But to do that, they have to have forwards high. And the Oilers uh, have been making mistakes where defensemen have pinched at the wrong time. They've been pinched and they've pinched, and the forwards haven't been in the right spot afterwards. You can pinch every time, and unless you have it at forward in the right spot, you're going to get burned 90% of the time. And the Oilers have been burned a lot this year from defensemen pinching when they shouldn't have. And it's turned games around, turned the complexion of hockey games around. There's a game where Oscar Kleffbaum did it in the first 10 seconds of a hockey game, and the Oilers lost because that was the end of them. So, Jar Gallant is a, an incredible coach, I believe, who has got very good systems. Okay, quickly, let's finish the play here. That was blocked by McDavid, and he'll charge down the right-hand side. He's got Nugent Hopkins with him. Centers Nugent Hopkins has drawn a hooking penalty. And now as the Oiler penalty is... All right, Dean, we're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. You're going to like this one. Who got that penalty for Chicago, Patrick Kane or Denny Savard? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Denny was kind of in my era. <laughs> I'm going to have to say PK. All right. Oilers lose 4 1. We're back after the news. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 All right, the Oilers are 1-5-1 and in their last seven today. The damage 4-1 Chicago with the victory. 
We have Tony on line five. Tony, you're on with Robin Reed. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Well, um, there obviously needs to be some changes to the team because us going 1-5 and whatever in the last however many games isn't good. And the fact that we scored, what, three times in the last five games? If you were upper management, either who would you fire from management or coaching or who would you look towards when the trade line that tra- trade deadline comes to trade players like as, we, as you guys said Strom was somebody who we thought would be okay but has proved that he's not worth anything um Slepyshev is barely ever on the team uh Clefbaum he's not the same player as he was last year like there are so many players right now that they were so good last year and it seems like they thought that okay we made it to the playoffs but now we don't have to try now because other teams I think that we're going to be what would you guys do? Well, I, I wouldn't do anything with the coach or the GM until season's end, and then I will, I would look throughout the entire organization, decide what you're going forward with. As for at the deadline, I guess it all depends on where the Oilers are. If they're where right they are right now, I, I don't know if there's. I'm at the belief that any player on your team, outside of a McDavid and probably Leon, but any player on your team is is available if you can get something that's better than what you have. So if there's a if Clefbaum's struggling, if there's something better than Clefbaum, yeah, okay, you can make that deal. But, but you, you gotta, can trade Clefbaum for that player. No. You'd have to trade somebody else, which is yes, difficult. Be, because the, the the problem is too, is if if you're you're saying okay, Slepyshev's not doing anything, Strom's not what he should be, Clefbaum's no good. Well then if you're saying that, well, if you see it, then the other teams around the league are seeing it. So now you're trading something and you're getting back the same in return. So if it, so, I, my thought is with Clefbaum. Well, we saw what he was last year. If you trade him now, you're getting what he's worth today, and that's not what you need because you've already got that. You right. need something better. So I, I don't know if you're going to make any deals unless you get something. Unless you ba- can prey on a team that wants to get rid of salary. Yes, and then it all depends what your next salary year, cap. Your salary cap's going up. Your salaries are going up because the McDavid deal will kick in. Yeah. So the, again, all trades. The big ones for the Oilers or for most teams happen in the offseason because you have to deal with what happens in the future when it comes to salary and salary cap. All right, Lucas on line seven. Go ahead, Lucas. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing quite well. Uh, so I've had a couple questions on my mind that have been hanging on me for quite some time here. And uh, both trades were controversial, but which do you think uh, had the most negative impact in the end, the Hall or the Eberly trade? Eberly, no Eberly. doubt about it. Yep. It's not even debatable. Absolutely, it's yeah. not even debatable I in my mind. Agree with you there. I, I understand I how good. Heard it. I understood. Mm-hmm. I understand how good Hall is. I understand why people were upset about it. I understand people say you traded skill for defense. Adam Larson has skill. It's defensive skill, and the Oilers didn't have a defenseman anything like him for for several years. So you, uh, to me, the Hall trade you have to suck up. Well, be- well, because Larson is does help your team as of right now. Strom Strom doesn't contribute. Yeah, and Larson's not having a great season. Nope. but I thought he helped a lot last year. Yeah, you're right. Now, now bringing it back to the draft from a couple years ago, uh, I was absolutely shocked that the Oilers passed up on DeBrinket, especially in the position that they could have had him at. Now, looking at today, I feel like we almost sort of bandaged that with picking up Yamamoto. But in the long run, how do you guys feel between Benson, Yamamoto, and Debrinket? Well, in all honesty, I don't know. When was the Debrinket? I He was 39th overall in 2016. Uh, I th- well, and the Oilers De- got Benson at 32nd. Yeah, and Benson, Benson a lot, I think, is going to hinge on his health. 
quite frankly. Uh, I mean, Debrinkin obviously is ahead of him. Debrinkin's yeah. scored 14 or 15 goals in the NHL. Vincent hasn't played yet. So, I mean, I, in all honesty, when it comes to the draft, when it comes to players that are draft eligible, anything that I get is something I read because I've never seen Debrinkin play ju- junior hockey because he's out east. So I'm only going by what I hear. And at that point, I wouldn't have known someone that far down. But. Uh, Lucas, do you remember where Debrinkin was rated that year? Because I don't off the top of my head. Uh, Honestly, uh, I'm for some reason I'm thinking around the same place Yamamoto was ranked this year, and he ended up falling. Oh, that high! And the fact okay. that he had fell to 32 was astounding, and that the Oilers and then seven teams after that passed up on him was even more of a mind blower. Like yeah. it, him falling to Chicago was an absolute blessing for them. Yeah, well, I think it's size related, right? Which it often is Absolutely. with, with but a guy like that. Looking at the way that he can play, you know, he's good. Yeah, he's players, pretty good. He's the pretty trending good. in the league is changing. But. Yeah, I, you know, he has 26 yeah. points in 40 games, so pretty solid, like good kind of second line type numbers. He might be comparable to Yamamoto. Fair enough. Absolutely, Benson. I think and, uh, Benson. I think the jury is is still out on. I, I hope he makes it. I mean, he's a good Edmonton story, but he has he's, oh, his health. His health has really slowed him down. Yeah, and uh, since Charlie took over in in the long haul, you guys think more like aside from the McDavid blessing and making a playoffs last year, which was pretty much inevitable at that point. Uh, do you think Charlie's done more long term harm or good to the team? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, we got to see long term to see how it turns out. Absolutely. But uh, I, there are things that have been good that he has done, and there's some things that haven't turned out well. And I guess only time will tell if the decisions he made with some of the long term contracts, the big signings, such yeah. such as Alucci. Well, I mean, a lot of the def- like four of the defensemen are signed for at least the next mm-hmm. four years. Clefbaum, Larson. Well, that's good if they're Sekera, good. And uh, Clefbaum, Larson, Sekera, and. Uh, sorry, Russell. Russell, that's nurse it. is going to come up soon. But yeah, yeah. maybe maybe, maybe Clefbaum is somebody that winds up getting moved. I don't know. Do we end up losing Nurse because of Russell deal? <laughs> uh, uh, no, <laughs> no. Probably, they, they, I bet you they would sacrifice Clefbaum if they had to. Yeah, Darnell Nurse isn't going anywhere. I don't believe. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. Okay. See you, Lucas. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Quick check of the Advantage Trailer Rentals Out of Town scoreboard. Six minutes left in the third quarter. Saints up twenty one twelve on the Panthers. Earlier, Jacksonville beat the Buffalo Bills ten three. In the NHL. Panthers and Blue Jackets tied 1-1 late in the third. Islanders beat the Devils 5-4 in a shootout. Flyers beat the Sabres 4-1. Jets beat the Sharks 4-1. Capitals get by the Blues 4-3 in overtime. Game still to come. Canucks at the Canadians. Tampa Bay at Detroit. Boston at Pittsburgh. Rangers visit the Golden Knights, who are 28-10-2 on the season. And the, something? Yeah, the New Orleans Saints just kicked a 57-yard field goal to go wow. up 24 to. 12, I believe. Thank you, Rob Brown. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a football analysis now, too. Tyson is on line four. Hi, Tyson. Hey, how's, how's it going today? Good. Hey, uh, one, one thing I got to ask you is how long does McDavid stay with the team, you know, in, in years to come if they don't improve at all or they don't give them players to play with? I think McDavid will be here a long time. You don't, don't think he'll ask for a trade after mm. three or four? Well, I mean, you're you're looking into the future. I would I would hope that the Oilers are a much better team three or four years from now. But I, Connor McDavid, I I, I would imagine Connor McDavid will be here as as long as the Oilers can keep. I eight, what's he got? An eight year contract coming up? Yeah. I I don't see Connor McDavid moving, ever. And my, 
my second question for you is how much damage do you think you did with the nurse and uh, dry cycle thing? I, I, I know nothing about a nurse and dry cycle thing. Okay. Rocket on line two. Oh, hang on a second here. Okay, Rocket, we got you? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Rob, I agree with you 100%. This team just simply isn't good enough, and, and the problem is on the wing. And then I also think they could probably use another guy on the back end as well. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's Shirelli gambled. We all know that. He, he expected some of these younger players to do better based on what he saw last season in the playoffs. That hasn't transpired. So the question I have is, you don't have too many guys in the AHL that you can bring up or coming up, so you have to make uh, some kind of moves in moving out uh, some of these players and getting a couple more top six wingers left or right side. Yeah. How do you do that now? See, that, that's the problem is how do you do it? I mean, the players that you want to move out are guys that are underachieved, and, and the ones you were talking about, like a Kajula, Slepeshev, uh, even even a Strom. I mean, those players aren't what they had hoped they would be, but you're not getting a whole lot in return for them because they're underachieving on a team that's what, what fourth or fifth worst in the National Hockey League. So if they're not good on this team, how are they going to be good elsewhere? You're not getting something that's going to play in your top six coming back. So to get something top six coming back, you've got to give up something pretty good. And I don't know if the Oilers right now are deep enough at any position and good enough at any position that they can trade away to get something to come back. I mean, the, the, the ones you would think of as a Nugent Hopkins, well, if you trade away Brian Nugent Hopkins, he's, he's trending up. And now all of a sudden you're opening up a huge hole down the middle for yourself. So you're right, this is a, a, a huge dilemma that Peter Shirelli's got. And um, there are some good unrestricted free agents available this summer. And, but now you've got to find cap space to get them. All right, we have Mo on the line. Go ahead, Mo. How's it going, guys? Good. Uh, frustrating, disappointing, whatever word you want to use, but uh, this team reminds me of uh, our sister team to the South a few years back that uh, had nine or ten forwards have career years and overachieve, and then the next year they missed the playoffs. Uh, there's, I mean, offensively it hasn't been there except for one constant, and even even with the amount of points McDavid has, I think he's, I don't want to say he struggled, as stupid as that may sound, um, but he hasn't had the greatest year. He's been there. He's, our, he's to me, the best player in the world right now. Uh, Leon is basically like Johnny Goudreau when he signed his, his new deal uh, and just, had, just hasn't had that extra gear. He looks slow. Defensively, we look like it's, like it's just an out-of-control fire and at best, our goaltending has been average. But the most frustrating thing is when your special teams is, is historically the worst uh, PK in, in the, almost the history of the league, I think. No, the but home PK is the worst in the history in, of the yeah, league. In the history yes. of the league. That, to yep. me, if, if your coach is so stubborn that you can't fire whoever is responsible for that, whether it's him or whether it's a team thing or whether they all work on it together, um, what if our PK was just... 10% better, we'd probably be very close to a playoff spot right now. That's how close it is. So it's it's frustrating, and uh, uh, hopefully the pains that they're going through now, they can come up next year and, and do some damage. All right, thanks, Mo. Oilers lose 4-1 in Chicago. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. 
This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. All right, 4-1 Chicago beating the Oilers today. Edmonton won 5-1 in its last seven. They've been outscored 28-9 in their last seven games. We have Derek on line one. Derek, go ahead. Hey, guys. Great show. First time caller. Thank you. I, uh, I live in Camrose and have a uh, season seat, so you guys give me something to do on the way to and from the game, so appreciate it. Cool. Um, I was just wondering, do you guys really think that it's uh, a possibility that uh, they'll get rid of McClellan? Because, I, I mean, we've had three coaches over the last 10 years that, uh, I don't know, he seems to have done the best, but uh, you guys seem to think that that's a possibility. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Um, I, to me, I, I hope not. I, I like him as a coach. I, I think that this team, this organization needs stability. Um, I don't know if you were what you're looking for that's going to be better. Uh, having said that, when a team struggles and doesn't meet expectations, um, there's questions asked and, and people start pointing fingers at why it's where it's at. Normally, coaches go before general managers. At least there will be at least one coach fired before a general manager loses his job. Um, the, the team is underachieving. Uh, I, I hope yeah. he doesn't get fired. I, I wouldn't fire him. Yeah, I but, that, but that possibility absolutely is there. And I, just one more thing, too. I don't know. I, don't, I listen to you guys quite a bit, and I don't hear too much about Lucic. And I've I just been noticing over the last, you know, even, say, dozen games where he's kind of been, you know, especially on McDavid's lineup where he's kind of been served the puck on a platter and just cannot finish. And it's so frustrating to watch. And I, I don't know, like, I just don't hear too many people put much blame on him. And I just, it just seems like, I don't know, he's been off that line for a couple of games, but uh, just wondering your thoughts on that. I think, personally, I think Lucic's first 10 to 12 games this year weren't very good, and then he probably had 20, maybe even a couple dozen solid ones, and now he's he's pretty quiet again. I, I think that's the type of player he is. He's on pace again to get his 50-some points. Um, I, I, and I know for me the reason I don't talk about him a lot is because he's going to be here, whether you like it or not. He's got a no-trade clause and five and a half years left on his deal. Well, there's he could be traded later on. So they got to find a spot for him somewhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Milan Lucic is what you get. This is this is what he's always been like. Uh, sometimes you accept, expect more because you see the TSN or, 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 or Sportsnet highlights and you think, oh, look what he did. But that was just the highlight. This is, this is Milan Lucic, and yeah, get used to it. Hey, Ron, are you there? I don't think Ron is there. Okay. <laughs> he might have dropped his car on the street, it sounded like. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, Lonnie, go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Good, Lonnie. We're running out of time, so you got okay, 45 I'll make, seconds. I'll make this quick. What I'm wondering is is that we always sign these players for big, large, long-term contracts, but we're predicting what we want in the future. I find that that's our problem. Nothing against the Nuge and, the, and all those other deals back four years ago, but that was the best that we had. We give them six years for $6 million, and then all of a sudden it turns into a salary cap issue, and then we have a force to get rid of some of our young guns. I personally think that Everly would have been a better player this year under the team that was with us last year. That's where it got us the success. People blame him for not scoring, but when he was on the ice, his opposite player didn't score either, so he was doing something effective. 
And I feel that what we're finding now is that we lost a guy like Matt Hendricks in the dressing room who probably boosted their morale more than what we have right now in that dressing room. And still we're focusing on the elite players and not the bottom feeder who is probably bringing the glue together to make these guys play better. Yep, I mean, good points. Yeah, good points. And uh, the first, yes, I believe there have been some contract mistakes that have cost the Oilers big time. And Peter Shirelli, part of his trades that he's had to make is because of mistakes made in the past. And yes, their character players are just as important in a dressing room, maybe more important in a dressing room than your star players. So yeah, very good points. Yeah, and if Everly and Pouliot each made a couple million less than what they were making, they'd, they'd be on the team. Yes, absolutely. Okay, face-off trivia. The answer was Kevin Deneen. Pratik knew that. He gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Which Chicago assistant scored 40 goals for Hartford in 86-87? Kevin Deneen. All right, we're going to squeeze in Nick as our last call of the afternoon. Nick, you got about 45 seconds. Go ahead. Sounds good, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to say... Uh I, I don't think we should do anything drastic over the summer. If, if he decides to trade Nuge for a low piece, then we're going to be in a bigger hole than what we were this year. And uh, to the people saying fire McClellan, I, I don't really think there's anybody better out there. Like McClellan's a pretty good coach. He's been in the playoffs a lot. Might not have had the success that he wants, but he's got a different team now, and I think if we gave, give another season, we should see better results next year. So that's all I have to say. I think Todd McClellan is is a very good coach. I don't think he's immune to criticism, um, but I I know he he works tirelessly. Mm -hmm. And again, you got to get the results. They aren't there this year. But given the instability at that position and how this team had been crying out for an experienced coach who had had success somewhere in the NHL, it would be hard for me to see him go. I, I agree. I, I'm a I'm a fan of him. I think there there's been mistakes that he's made. Just like any other coach around the National Hockey League, I think he's admitted to some. I think there's some that he's probably kicking himself about. But as far as going forward, Todd McClellan should be the coach of this team. I hope he still is. But this is a results-driven uh, league sport. And if at the end of the season, if the Oilers miss the playoffs, then questions will be asked. All right, the Oilers lose 4-1 to Chicago. Next broadcast, Edmonton at Nashville on Tuesday, 4.30 face-off show. The game will start at 6. I want to thank Patrick Bauer, our studio producer this evening. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. All have inside sports from 6 to 8. Look forward to talking to you then. Saints leading the Panthers 24-12 late in the third quarter, keeping you updated on that NFL playoff game. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. You can always get more on 630Ched.com. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and for everybody who uh, of the Orthodox faith, I should say Merry Christmas as I celebrated Ukrainian Christmas Eve last night. Have a good one.